welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. We are your morning show for any hour. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my friend Vic Mattis. We have a bunch going on today because it is October. It is the silly season. It is right before the elections. We're going to focus a bit on that. And we're going to do a gender reveal for this baby. This is very exciting. I've never done a gender reveal before. I find them sort of silly. And also I'm lazy. But the fourth kid's going to get one. Look at us. I just hope that Jennifer or I don't get the explosion of blue or pink powder. (laughs) As I was saying, I said, I think on Twitter or something, I was like, I don't have time to like dye a waterfall blue or pink. These are are how forest fires get started, by the way. I feel like, I feel like ours would be some sort of firearms related ridiculousness. Like put a target 300 yards away and let, let Steve go. A blue tracer or pink tracer. (laughs) Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon and the Sub Beacon podcast, which you can find on Patreon, has already saved my morning by fixing the Keurig so that it could serve me this lovely Black Rifle coffee that I'm drinking. That is right. Black Rifle has sent us complimentary coffee, and I've always been a fan. I started getting into them when I was down. I think in Savannah, there was a Black Rifle coffee shop, and I had Silencer Smooth, and I think what I'm having here is their basic. I think it's called JB, which is just black. Yours is AK. Is that, like, serious? Yeah, oh. that's the, this is why this is why this they is why, this is why the, 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 these banks are like I don't, I'm afraid I'm to gonna do be, business. With I'm going to be so over caffeinated and underprepared today. That's okay, uh, <laughs> but they, yeah, thank you to Black Rifle Coffee. They do great stuff and great causes. I am doing fine, as you know. This is the last podcast I'm doing for a while. Yes, as listeners are like yay, but yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, yes, and nonsense. I'm saying I'm saying yay too. By the way, Vic, the feeling Vic is gets a break. I do get a break tomorrow. Well, when you're listening to this, folks, when you're listening to this, I am either getting prepped for my oral surgery or it's happening or it's over. So in in one way or another. And so I already had to start off with the, they get you started on prednisone and things like that. And then you got to start after, you know, early dinner and that's it. And then no water. Yes. And then and then and then Kate then brings me off tomorrow. Off to the races. Off to the races. And should we get Kate to voice record you <laughs> when you're high? You know, oh, this is what okay. I, so I, I mentioned this yesterday <laughs> on the sub beacon, and I'll mention this again as a public service here to any of our listeners and friends who I might be corresponding with in the next week. If I send you any emails, DMs, texts that make no sense. Yeah. Or possibly inappropriate. You never know. Right. Drugs. Vic has a, you have a week of uncancelable. Yes. You can take, you can do with that what you wish. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute. He hasn't had the surgery yet. I'm getting these texts. (laughs) This happened, by the way, for real. When I was in the hospital back in 2015, I was kind of loopy. I was there for about a week. And then I was emailing my agent about a book idea I had. That was really kind of like insane. I was like a long email. I'm sure email. it was a really and good idea. And she replied, she says, you know, I'm glad you're feeling better. Are you okay? And I'm like, oh, what? Huh? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, scrap that idea. This was genius, not, I tell you. It was not a great idea. Uh, I once, while under the influence uh, after my wisdom tooth surgery, yes, my mother t- was taking me home. And I love this story. It, anno- it annoys her. <laughs> Later, after the fog had lifted, I said to my mother, Wait, did you go grocery shopping on the way home from my wisdom tooth surgery and leave me in the car? (laughs) Because I had a very hazy memory of her setting me up with, like, you know, something to drool in. And, uh. Did she? She did. I was going to think, I was just a hallucination, well, but no, lo- it was real. No, I love that mom energy, though. That's like, mm-hmm. I have to get pork chops. Yeah. 
You're in the car with yeah, me. Got, got You're a do. grown woman, even though you are incapacitated. You sit here. There's extra gauze. That's it. <laughs> Am I grossing everybody out? Sorry. That's anyway. Great. Mary Catherine, gender reveal and also just in general, people want to know how is your health? This oh, is I'm like good. a this is like the no, NBC is, News for Your Health segment. This is like Yeah, this is like actually one of those card games for old men where like all you do is talk about your maladies. <laughs> That's what we do here on this program. No spin the wheel. So I yes, as as discussed, I am pregnant. I had to have the long glucose tolerance test of three hours, which involves four blood draws mm. and fasting. And it is not fun. It is not fun because I failed the first one by, by one point. Let me not leave you in suspense. I passed the second one. Yay. Yay! But the price to pay was so very high. I did the test in the morning, mm-hmm. felt basically fine, went to lunch, like a little worn out, went to lunch. Ooh, and that that's post-launch is when it hit. It's like a it's just a giant hangover mm. from this this dastardly yeah. deed you have done to your body, yes. like a, whatever the hundred grams or whatever of glucose that you don't normally take in oh my God. on an empty stomach. Oh. And then the part I forgot, this is on me. I did not have caffeine immediately after the test. So I missed my caffeine window. So I got a headache on top of the normal hangover from this. Anyway, it took me a day and a half to be right. I mean, really, oh it's like a goodness. regular hangover at this point for me. <laughs> like, those last a day and a half. So now I'm back to normal. But I did pass. I don't have to do it again Great. because this is the last pregnancy. Wonderful. Wonderful. But, man, that was not that was not fun. My poor husband was really nursing me back to health on that night. I was like, I need water. Remember that. Remember that later when, if the role is reversed, remember well, how he's, good he was. Oh, I, he has, I have, to, remind I have to make up, I have to make up for a lot because my last pregnancy, he was really Johnny on the spot for, for about a month and a half there. So but anyway, so I was, my, my day of like scooping dry pasta or like plain pasta from a bowl oh, yeah. just to get some calories. I mean, uh-huh. that, that's over. I, we're moving on. I'm fine now. <laughs> I'm about to enter that phase. Okay. Yes. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Should we do the gender reveal now or at the end? What do you think? End? Okay. Oh, you gotta stick to, now you got to yeah, stick not, around. Don't, don't hit that dial. You know what I'm talking about? The dial, it's 30 seconds. Don't hit it. <laughs> the dial. you got to listen to the All news because right. we've got great news. We, we have <laughs> Terrible news. news. The, I was telling Vic, the theme of today's show is like just Democrats handing Republicans things on a silver platter to make mm-hmm. the red wave larger. With like that's, that's two the and a half week. weeks to go. But lest you think we are too biased, I would like to point out that there is a conservative falling flat on her face right now oh. in the UK, where Liz Truss has been the prime minister for four weeks? 44 days. 44 days? Ooh. Yeah. And due to some tax proposals and the upheaval that that caused, we are now back to having another leadership fight among conservatives in the UK. And Boris Johnson reportedly may throw his hat in the ring. In the wings, as they say. <laughs> this is like, you know, so I had a, a, a nice... A what lo- a mess. I had a lovely conversation yesterday with Dominic Green, the great Brit writer, historian, who is going back over there, and he's doing some stuff for us at the Beacon with reviews. And so I asked him what is happening, and, and, and he says how it's a complete mess and how voters are getting sick and tired of, you know, nothing changing. They're voting for these Tories, but nothing is actually happening. Right. And imagine sort of like Margaret Thatcher with her, you know, 
you know, with their hands tied in this situation. And there's always constantly people in the wings plotting against you. Right. I mean, even within your own party. Well, especially in this situation where it doesn't require a general election. It just requires a party election. That's right. That's Every right. up and comer is like <laughs> twisting their That's, mustache if they had mustaches. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> twirling them. They're twirling yeah. their mustaches. So there's that. And aside from that, um, he said that, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole thing is just a mess. So I don't, oh, and, and I did ask him, I said, do, do the Brits... Are they beginning to develop a British version of deep state? <laughs> like who's who's like who's pulling the strings? Well, this Is would be the treasury, third, the exchequer. This would be the third prime minister in what just several months. It's the shortest um, stint of any prime minister. Wow, I mean, she did give a really nice speech right after the Queen died, so she's got that in her in her scrapbook. <laughs> and uh, and that, she's also I read that she's also one of the only prime ministers to serve two monarchs because, of course, it's been yes. She, she's she'll be a great trivia question. I mean, yeah, you're when you're you forget making her your, name, you're making your way into trivial pursuit with this kind yeah, of career. Yeah, she's that right is... up there with like Konstantin Chernenko. I don't uh, mean to be mean spirited. I wished her the best, and it seems to not be the best. Also, right don't forget, a book was coming out on Christmas about her term as the oh. prime minister, and that HarperCollins. They might be they having might. second thought. I don't know yeah. what they're going to do. It's going to be like the, if, the no. if I did it where they had to pull it before it went to the market. That's right. But I don't think that they can take away the author's advance. So uh, at least there's that. You know what? There's a lot of things stacking up in her favor as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and she's going to have all this responsibility off her plate. Yes. All right. Let's go to Georgia where early voting has started in Jim Eagle State. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, so much for Jim Eagle. Jim Eagle really fizzled out because the early voting is robust. Ooh, yeah. I got a nice roll on that That was that very one. nice. Yeah. Some people, can't, some people can't do that. I didn't learn to do that until I was, like, much older. When I was a child, I was very jealous because my brothers could do it, and I couldn't. So here I am. I practice very hard, guys. <laughs> so here's Stacey Abrams running for governor again. She ran famously in 2018, did not concede that race, still has not conceded that race, although she will tell you that she conceded that race. It is not true. So the <laughs> the incumbent governor in her own mind is running again against Brian Kemp, who in a sort of a, I don't know if it was a tactical move or not, but or just a, the morally right thing to do. But he has ended up being sort of a, a bulwark to both right and left election mm. denialism because he he thwarted Trump's attempts in Georgia and he's also thwarted Stacey Abrams's dreams and he's her, a role. her nonsense. So he's really the the hero of the anti-election denialism crowd. Anyway, here's Stacey Abrams who is on her way probably not to winning because Kemp is has pretty solid support and she's on MSNBC and she's asked about inflation and I'll just let her let her go. I just asked you. You're running for governor of Georgia. Uh, I would assume maybe incorrectly but while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. 
And so these are, it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out. But we also have to talk about what a governor can do. A governor can address housing prices. A governor can address the cost of education. A governor can put money into the pockets of everyday hardworking Georgians instead of giving tax cuts to the wealthy. That's what I talk about on the trail, and that's what's resonating. But let's not pretend that women, half the population, especially those of childbearing age, they understand that having a child is absolutely an economic issue. It is only politicians who see it as simply another cultural conversation. It is a real biological and economic imperative conversation that women need to have. I think she's really thinking that. I mean, I think she really believes that. So, so it's it's dark, but I mean, it's, it's, it's I think it's what she really, really is. out there. Yeah. It's really out there. If I were to be charitable about this, I would say what she's trying to say, and she she sort of says this more explicitly toward the end of the clip. We want to have both of these conversations. We cannot take one right. off the table. But the way she says it here is very utilitarian. Right. If you want and to, gross. and if you want to be charitable, you could also say she's not saying abortion equals lower inflation. Right. Yeah. There's not a direct link, but she's making but, a connection. But she's she's, she's making that, a connection. She's saying it would help. That's right. And I'm like, look, I got three of them already. What am I supposed to do? It's the unwanted. It's the unwanted. So I having children is the reason I'm worried about gas. She's right, Mick. I was, you know, again. Thinking, oh, it's so gross. We, we talk about the marching orders and she really follows them when it comes to talking about abortion in January 6th. I was reminded my old dean at Georgetown, Peter Crow, had once said you hadn't worked a day if you didn't pick up the phone to ask for money. Right. That's mm-hmm. what you do. And. The the Democratic equivalent is you haven't campaigned today if you didn't mention abortion. I mean, and she well, and, did, and, and she this, just tied it back. Well, and this is what they're banking on That's is that strength. that will that that will inflame their base and yes. get them out, and that it will mm-hmm. counter mm-hmm. some of this. However, what it also does is broadcast to the rest of voters, independents in particular, but, that you're not interested in what they're interested in. No, at no, all. No, no. And uh, and Abe Greenwald at commentary had also said this: you cannot tell people to be concerned about things that they're not concerned about. Yes. You can't force it on them about threats to democracy, abortion, or climate change if if what they what matters to them is what's in their wallet and everything else and how to pay for things and food inflation and everything and gas prices. That's what they're going to be voting on. Yeah. So. By the way, they keep they keep coming up with October polls that are telling the media things that the media doesn't want to hear. And on that subject, Aaron Blake of the Washington Post tweets out Despite the January 6th hearings, the many GOP election deniers running, et cetera, just 52 percent of Biden voters and 23 percent of independents view the GOP as a major threat to democracy. They're like, oh, why is our campaign not working? And the reason it's not working, because some of those threats are real. Sure. The reason it's not working is because that's not the only threat to people's daily lives. That's right. And it's not the most present one, actually. Right. In their mind, again, and if you go back to the New York Times Siena poll, where I think it's four or five percent who list abortion as the top concern for them. Yeah. You know, this is very distressing if you're a Democrat right now, because you have done everything to talk about January 6th and abortion. I just got an email from the Democratic Party just today saying, you know, November 8th, this is the abortion election. Right. And is it, though? Is it? That's is it, right. though? That's right. All right. Moving on to Arizona. We've got an Arizona highlight over here. As you know, and I think we've mentioned on the show, this is the matchup between the current Arizona Democrat Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who is a sort of soft-spoken, mild-mannered Democrat, and Carrie Lake, who is a former, actually a former Democrat, who has turned Trump-centric Hardcore. Republican mm-hmm. and thinks that 
Trump won the election. And these two are running against each other. By the way, Carrie Lake won her primary with help from Democrats. Okay. So because she was the more Trumpy candidate, because she was the more conspiracy friendly candidate. That's who they were pushing for. They thought, let's get this lady in. Well, here's the problem. Carrie Lake is extremely well-spoken. She's extremely telegenic. She has decades of name ID and training on TV from being a local anchor Mm -hmm. in Arizona. And they decided, oh, we've got like a sort of a mousy, shy secretary of state over here. Let's put her up against this woman. Okay, that's not working out. Katie Hobbs, I think, I understand the calculation, decided not to debate Carrie Lake under any circumstances. Let's be clear. Regardless of whether I support Carrie Lake and all of her positions, she would have wiped the floor with Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I understand why she made that decision, but it's it's not playing that well. And I think, again, the fundamentals in Arizona, whether it's Blake Masters and Mark Kelly or her and Katie Hobbs, are leaning, leaning R yeah. in a way that the the Democrats who boosted Carrie Lake are thinking, hmm, yeah, what have we if, here? If, if, if at the moment it's R plus one, R plus two, assume it's going to be plus three one at the end of the day. Yes. All right. So here is Katie Hobbs in a forum, not a debate, being asked about the new school choice law in Arizona signed by Doug Ducey, which allows universal school choice. There's a voucher of some six to $7,000 a year for any kid who wants it. They just started this program recently. It was challenged in court by those who don't like school choice. They lost. The current governor says if kids are trapped in failing schools, it's his quote, it's time to free these families. Does he have a point? There are always going to be kids who are stuck in these schools. And until we invest in those schools and make sure that every student, no matter where they live, gets quality public education, we're going to have the same issue. This voucher system does not fix that at all. Ooh. I, I don't, it was the wrong choice of words. I don't think she realized even at the moment when it came out that she said stuck in schools like the, it's like that Spinal Tap song, Living in a Hellhole. You know, I mean, it's like, what? You know, it, it, but, you know, you're campaigning around the clock Yeah. after a while. And Mark Rubio found himself in this position during the Republican oh primaries. I was in just, that room. Ooh. I was the co-moderator for that debate. And I was just sitting there on the... On the stand, or like on the little yeah. stage, thinking, what is, what's going? Is he what? What's going on here? Wait, so is you he reali- going to stop doing that? You realized it before Christie pointed it out in terms of saying. Oh, that he, I could feel he, it in the room. I was uh, like, "What's happening? What is happening?" Yeah, yeah he should have yeah. been drinking more water. So in this case, though, I mean, I, this really is a it's a Terry McAuliffe moment. If you remember Terry McAuliffe when he was running for governor last year, he had a blunder during the debate. And he said, I don't think that, you know, parents should have a say yeah. in kids' education. And I don't think he realized at that moment that that was a turning point. They really point. didn't know. And again, we're all, we're, look, and so, you know, you can make the case that it's too late at this point and so many people are starting to vote and everything else. But, you know, and how little the undecideds might be at this moment, the margins. At the same time, it's a bad thing that Carrie Lake said. Yeah. And that this could be the inflection. Well, so. and I really think this is, again, Democrats didn't see this coming in Virginia. No. They didn't realize that Terry McAuliffe made a mistake by saying that in a debate until about three weeks later they sort of started backpedaling. This is another instance where I don't think Hobbes understands no. the energy behind this issue. I don't think Democrats at large get how much pain was inflicted by school closures in yeah. major metro areas, how much it mattered to people, yeah. how much it revealed what Democrats and unions are fighting mm-hmm. for when it comes to schools, which is basically more money but not more services. Yeah. 
So in this case, in Arizona, you get the money and you can find the services where you please. Right. To me, with children in schools during 2020 and 21 in a major blue metro area, mm-hmm. it became, I've always been pro-school choice, so don't get me wrong. I've always been pro-school cho- choice. Judge that how you will. But once this hit, I went like, my gosh, people need an escape hatch. Mm-hmm. They need an escape hatch. Yeah. Whatever it is that they can take their money and walk because right. this, we're being charged the same amount, if not more, for That's a right. very subpar product here. That's right. Katie Hobbs has also been on quite a roll because she was also asked questions about limits on abortion. And she kept on dodging the question and finally just said she didn't think, quote, one size fits all, you know, limit. They really have a problem just saying, you know. Well, and this is interesting to me because I I feel like they could say, you know, Roe v. Wade allows for for regulation after the point mm-hmm. of, of viability, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think different things work in different states, blah, blah, blah. You could fall back on that. Yeah. But I think that I think that the Planned Parenthoods of the world demand that this be yeah. their hard line. And that becomes a problem. That's another polling result from this week that more <laughs> more people see Democrats position on abortion as extreme, extreme than Republicans. That's another one that the, the media doesn't want to see and is totally foreign to them. Right. And this is something, again, that Carrie like brought up, I guess, just the other week about turning the question around because everyone's asking her, where does she stand? Right. Well, why don't you ask my opponent if she believes there are any limits? And they don't want to say that. And because what they'll say is we don't want to get involved, period. Right. right. This is between uh, a, a woman and a doctor. And then, of course, Republicans have things to say about this as well, which is there's a baby in the room as well, as Herschel Walker says. And also, fine, they make that decisions, but legislators are still the ones who make the laws. And so where do you stand as a legislator? Far be it for me to give credit to Democratic governor of Illinois, Governor Pritzker, J.B. Pritzker. But He's a guy who doesn't think it's too late to make mm-hmm. a difference in his in his campaign. With three weeks until election day, this is the Wall Street Journal. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has reversed himself on school choice. On Tuesday, the Chicago Sun-Times released Mr. Pritzker's answers to a candidate survey. He answered yes to the question, do you support Illinois' tax credit scholarship program that provides financial support for students to attend private and mm-hmm. parochial schools? That's interesting. That is a, that's a There's a zeitgeist here. Yeah. And uh, it's not... Anti-school choice. Right. I was going to say, credit Pritzker, credit Pritzker for reading the room. He knows how parents are, fe- are feeling. He's seen what parents have done. Obviously, he's aware about what happened, for example, in Virginia last year. But the teachers' unions cannot be pleased. No. And especially in places like Chicago, where they wield enormous power, much to even the frustration of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Oh, no. Chicago Chicago public schools and the, the, the strikes, like... Pick a strike, any strike, just like every couple of weeks. It's just a disaster there. He publicly attacked the program in 2017 when he was running for governor, but he has changed his mind, along with probably a lot of parents in Illinois. No. That's the thing. He's following the parents here. You know who doesn't know what happened last year in Virginia? Who? Apparently Allison Spamberger in Virginia 7. Yeah. Yeah. Abigail, yes. Oh, excuse me. I always do that with her. I think so. I, I've done that like three times. I'm sorry, Abigail Spamberger. I should know your name because you're nearby. She's in Virginia Seven. It is one. She is one of the most endangered Democrats. She is. In, she's a top target in for the, the Republicans. Yeah. We told you last show that this legislator Elizabeth Guzman in it's the Virginia something else. state legislature had put forth a bill that would criminalize parents for not properly affirming in the eyes of the state mm-hmm. their child's LGBTQ 
or gender journey. Okay. Does that sound scary? It is scary. <laughs> I, this is, I looked at that when, the, when I saw it. She talked about it on local TV. Mm-hmm. Guzman did. When she talked about it, I thought, my gosh, I can't think of something that would radicalize me yeah. more than this kind of thing. Are there that many parents out there, do you think, in Guzman's mind that think, yes, I don't want to know or I don't care. And whatever, you know, if my eight-year-old comes home one day and says that she wants to be a he and let's go down that, you know, let's go down that road and... and, and, and Please don't inform me. And and please don't inform (laughs) me. I I don't want to know. You let the teachers take care of this. How many parents are out there who feel that way? First of all, the the question you guys might ask is, how does does this connect to Spanberger? Well, Guzman had been stumping with Spanberger. And this is what I mean about that. Like, how can you not see this coming? You learned this lesson a year ago. This Guzman is out stumping with one of the most endangered Democrats who's trying to be a moderate in central Virginia and show people that she can buck mm-hmm. the left leaning parts of her fam- of her party, not her family. <laughs> and you drop this bomb in the middle of this yeah. candidacy. It's crazy town. But their argument is, or uh, Guzman's argument is, and she's tried to right. walk this back. Oh, yeah. Right. Hold on. You're getting carried away. You're, misinter- you're the, misinterpreting The things this. that I said on a local newscast on tape are mm-hmm. not really what the yeah. bill was meant yeah. to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, Governor Youngkin is like, you know, I think the Democrats have spoken their truth on this. Yeah. And the truth is that this is what they this want. This is what they want, because you're seeing this in California yeah. as well. And then you're seeing this in places like in Virginia, where the teachers want to have the power over the kids. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the same thing with it's, yeah, you're encouraging, being supplanted. encouraging your students to like, if you hear, you know, your parents say something, you know, talk about how to talk about this or that, you know, which is just a just a, just around the corner from saying, report it back to us. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I think what a lot of parents want to know is or what. Right. right. So so what well, they want to know and, if and you Guzman, disagree. And Guzman is like what happens? CPS. That's what she says, yeah, which is. Your, a, and that's that's why this away. is so radicalizing to somebody like mm-hmm. me is like, oh, you're going to you're going to get the state yeah. involved in. Now, her argument is that look at what Governor Youngkin is doing with these rules about transgender students. And he's taking he's preempting decisions, but he's not preempting parental decisions because the actual policy says defer to what parents yes. are in a position to know if they want to change the kid's name, if they want to change the pronouns. Mm-hmm. It's just you're not keeping them in the dark. You're not in charge, state-run right. mediocre schools. Dem- <laughs> this is what's in- insane because it's like Democrats trying to convince parents, you know, that you should you should be you should support us because we don't want you to have a say <laughs> right. in your child's gender affirmation. I mean, it's it's loopy. So as of now, as I said, they've been trying to run from this. Guzman herself has tried mm-hmm. to run from it a bit. And the local TV station, to its credit, keeps being like, nah, this is what you told us. And you yeah, showed us the good. bill and we talked That's about right. it. It was um, ABC7, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elizabeth Guzman had been leading some Hispanic outreach canvassing for Spanberger. <laughs> this is Washington Post style. The recently incurred Republican ire after w- WJLA reported that she planned to introduce a bill that could allow... We bounced! Child abuse investigations into parents who did not affirm, quote, their children's LGBTQ identities, which Spanberger said she did not support, and which Guzman said has been mischaracterized. Guzman was the one who characterized it in yeah. the report. She said what she said. The campaign said Tuesday that Guzman is no longer doing Hispanic outreach at this time. In another... Close race. Yes. In Virginia. Closer Virginia, than it should be. Virginia 10. We have Hung Kao. Uh, the Republican, Hung Kao. The Republican versus Jennifer Wexton. And mm-hmm. here's Jennifer Wexton having to answer 
for Guzman's bill. So I'm not sure that was, that's what that bill said, because my understanding is that the bill did not actually use the word, word affirm in anywhere, anywhere in it. Yeah, but in the but interview, I don't, that's I don't what think, she okay, said. I don't, well, I don't know what she said in the interview. I did not see it. But. Seven News learned about Guzman's bill through this podcast. I've been working with a senator, or no, a representative, see, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> in a small district that I'm not a resident of, and she's a former social worker and has her clinical degree and recognizes the abuse and the long-term harm caused by not affirming your kids. And so we were working on a child protection bill that would make it illegal to not affirm. Oh. Illegal. Oh. What happens when something is illegal? By the way, also, Do you pay a fine? This weasel yeah. word of affirming, like how, yeah. my gosh, my children ask to be affirmed many times per day and I do not affirm them in the proper way. You have to give the kids what they want. For some reason, this is this obsession with something that, you know, 10 years ago, it's not like, you know, people had been waiting saying, oh, thank goodness I now have this option. I just don't think so. If you look at the number of kids who now affirm, right, the, the, the percentage increase right. is like... Well, 100, 200 percent. And again, more. this is just an October surprise on a platter. This is a self-inflicted October yes, surprise. Because, because whether or not these Democrats support mm -hmm. this kind of bill, mm -hmm. they now have to run so far from it and answer questions about it. And the state party has been branded in the past year the not parent friendly, the parent unfriendly party. Yeah. And that will continue, and it will not go well for them. If you're, and, and if you're a parent, that's something to take into account. If you're not, maybe and you're still going to side with, with the Democrats on this. Well, there are plenty of parents who they'll weigh it, and they'll be like, I don't think this is really going to happen. Yeah. You know, it worries someone like yeah. me because right. Right. No, and, and I don't need the state. And the here. other crazy thing is, of course, you know, the, Virginia had just been redistricted, and, you know, Bar Jennifer Wexton's district is purposely crafted in such a way to protect her. Right. So that Republicans weren't even really going to give offer a serious challenger to her. And now we have this situation. So yeah. and you're beginning to see this. something to be said for recruiting yeah. decent candidates in yeah. even these, you know, far, yeah. not far flung, but but hopeful districts. Right. 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 That's right. <laughs> All right. And another school related and parent related story. The immunization board that, yes. you know, for the federal government makes, makes these decisions about which immunizations are approved, which immunizations are on the childhood schedule. Meaning CDC recommendations. Yes. It's the ACIP that makes these decisions. They met yes, or they met this week once already. They're meeting again to decide whether the COVID vaccine series will be in the childhood schedule, the normal one that pe everyone goes through or is expected to go through sometimes before you're allowed admittance to school. They made a vote earlier this week, putting that in a program that funds vaccines for children. I think it's called the Children's Vaccine uh -huh. Program. They're expected to vote yes. And there's a bunch of people who are being very disingenuous and saying, disingenuous and saying, this doesn't mean mandates. It doesn't mean mandates. If you put it in the schedule, it doesn't mean that's mandated. Right. The schedule. The state can decide. Right. Yes. The school districts can decide. The, the schedule from the ACIP and the CDC is what districts use yeah. to determine what is mandated. So then they can tell you, oh, take it up with the CDC and the ACIP. We didn't. We're not the ones with this recommendation. At any rate, they're likely to vote yes. I think this is a disservice to basically everyone. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I saw I remember seeing this here with the local school districts and they would constantly say, 
you know, we are following the CDC recommendations, which means, therefore, if they recommend, yep. then they're going to require it as it's well. A great, it's a great system where no one has to take responsibility no, there's for no, the there's decision. There's no accountability, and they can just even – even if the, you disagree with the governor – you're going to go, well, the CD, we, we choose CDC right. over governor, and, and then you, you have this mess. And as I've said before, look, if, you, if your kids get the COVID shot, fine. Like that, it right. should be, I think it should be treated in public policy sort of like a flu shot, where yeah. if this works for your family, it works for your family. It should be noted that the flu is much more dangerous for children <laughs> than COVID is. Yes. We're at this point where, gosh, like the, the institutional bias toward the COVID vaccines, even mm-hmm. in populations where they are so little at risk, yeah. that it doesn't make a lot of sense. And remember, for kids in, to get them. and remember, in countries in Europe, where oh, they're saying don't get it, don't get it, right? Especially for young people because it's not effective. And again, and we have no data. That's I well, mean, that's, that's well, thing. you have eight mice, <sighs> and you have, but you're not. They're not finding enough sick kids to do this testing on to say, hey, this is right. how it works, right? Because no one gets right seriously ill. Doctor Marty Macari, who works, he's a a doctor and works in public policy with the Virginia mm-hmm. administration of Governor Yunkin now. And he's been sort of all along the way, professional, mm-hmm. professionally skeptical of a lot of this, has said, look, I, I have requested the data. Yeah. I would like to see yeah. it. And they won't give it to me. To me, that's just a problem. The cost-benefit analysis doesn't make sense here. And you're going to no. have camps and schools that make decisions based on this. Mm-hmm. That say no, certain kids can't come for this inane reason. That's right, because because the recovery rate for kids with COVID is only ninety nine point nine nine eight percent. I mean, this just doesn't make sense. And here here is the bigger problem. Here's what happens after you do this: you put this on the schedule, and whether or not it's mandated, because there's not a lot of data for it, because there's not a ton of risk to kids that makes it necessary to get this, a bunch of parents who disagree with this decision are going to think, what's with the rest of the immunization schedule? Oh. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not, th- like, there are several. I know, I mean, we, I know I'm, earn, I'm earning my warning banner yes, here. Yes. But this is just uh-huh. a fact of life. Right. A bunch right. of parents right. are going to go, yeah. maybe I need to be looking into the ACIP reasoning for all of these. Mm-hmm. Robert Kennedy is now tuning into the Dude, podcast, I, by the way. I just... <laughs> I'm, I am merely saying this is yeah. the consequence of this action. Well, and also the cynical take on this would also be, well, they purchased all these boosters. They got to use them now, right? Because they spent all that money. But the fact is, nationally, I think it's only 4% of Americans yes. have gotten the current booster, even though they're telling you, you know, you're probably up to your fifth shot now. It's it's already been, you know, a little over two years. Well, the, the C- Time for five. The, the newest CDC, because the CD of co- CDC, of course, wants to be as simple as possible. So they're just like anyone over five, just get it because we, whenever just over five, you need the bivalent, get, get right. the thing. It doesn't make any sense. By the way, speaking of being handed things on a platter, Doug Mastriano in New York running for governor has said, oh, Pennsylvania? I will, oh, excuse me. In yeah. Pennsylvania has said, no, I will not mandate this. We will make sure it's not mandated in Pennsylvania. DeSantis's health secretary of health yeah. mm-hmm. has said, no, we will not. Surgeon general, is that what they're called? Has said yes, we will the Florida not. Surgeon General, yeah, that's correct. We, we yeah. will not mandate it here. Carrie Lake in Arizona has put mm-hmm. out a press release saying we will not mandate it here. So they're giving Republicans this issue. Yeah. And it, frankly, it's something that I would like to hear from a governor or a candidate. Right. And okay. One, and one of the reasons that Terry McAuliffe worried me because I thought he would mandate it for sure for oh, getting yeah. into school. Yeah, yeah. And and now the question is, okay, we know how they stand. Where do the other candidates stand? Right. So if I'm trying to weigh. Like, well, do you both agree or is one going to go soft? And the, 
I'm gonna now, bet the other one goes soft. Go, goes suppose, wobbly. I suppose good sense could prevail, and they could yeah. either say no. They're they're expected to say yes. They could either say no in this vote, or this is the more likely outcome. Various places decide, no, this will not be mandated. I yeah. just fear that in the very places where schools have been hemorrhaging students, where the right. learning loss is extreme, you're just adding another thing right. to make it hard for people to come back yeah. from, Your, uh, ironically, from COVID. <laughs> right. Your kid is healthy and you don't want to have them get this particular shot because you don't think it's been tested well or whatever the long-term effects are. And you've got to do what? Go back to remote? Yeah, I mean, that's what they were threatening in some of these yeah. districts. Well, and including now, the District of Columbia. And now that they, they will have the ammo from CDC and ACIP, oh, that's in all probability, then they will make more of these rules, which, by the way, disproportionately hurts poor and minority students. And let's not forget, by the way, in California, Gavin Newsom declared that the COVID emergency will finally end at the end of February 2023. Oh, well, I'm glad he knows the future. And, you know, he couldn't possibly determine that now it should end. Yeah. No, just remember <laughs> Gotta, this. Get hold on to those remember powers. This. Have we earned our banner today? Oh, big time. No, I do. I, I actually do worry because your uptake, no. your uptake yeah. in childhood vaccinations has already been falling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. during COVID because there were no well visits in these places where everything was shut down. And so people got off schedule. So the important ones like MMR, MMR and DIP, yep. TDAP and all that stuff, yep. people are... Losing the threat on that. Right, they're losing the threat. As Francis McDormand says in Raising Arizona, the dip tet. You got to get your dip tet. <laughs> tie? Is it tie? <laughs> you want to get dip tet? Hi. Hi. Yeah, hi. So hi, hi. How can you hi. not know about dip tet? You got to get about dip tet. That is a fantastic <laughs> Francis. She's like the wife of the guy who's a swigger. He's like, yeah. Okay. Oh, anyway, gosh. That movie great is. movie. That movie is so good. <laughs> Jennifer, our, our producer, is again no, looking at us like we're yeah. aliens. It is such a good movie, Raising Arizona. Everybody watch it. It's, yeah, one of the great action I'm getting into my Trump voice. Which, the great things with the best movie. Greatest movie ever. It's, the, it's one of the greatest action scenes taking place inside a trailer. Just amazing. It's amazing. It's okay. an amazing movie. <laughs> do you want to get two? Oh, I guess we should do a gender reveal. Let's do it. Can we get a drum roll later? Yeah. Can we add that into this? <laughs> All right. So as you all know, I have three girls at home. The amount of girl power in my house is just off the charts. Poor dad is outnumbered. He does have a male dog. So he's got that going for him. And he has a lot of masculine energy. So yeah. I feel like we're... He counts for like... He's really the two men in one, right? He's <laughs> yes. really... I'll, I'll tell him you said that. Yes, please. <laughs> so the drum roll. This one is number four. A boy. Hey. What? What? Very, very exciting. Steve's got the goods. (laughs) So I I had Steve call the midwife to get the reveal. On my first two, I never found out what they were. And I was convinced both of them were boys. (laughs) The the third one, my husband called the midwife to find out and told me because he wanted to find out. And I said, fair, fair enough. You make the decision. And he told me, girl, and I was like, you kidding me? (laughs) You kidding me? So and now, now we we're blessed with this beautiful little girl. And this time he calls, and I'm waiting to hear the answer. And I'm sort of eavesdropping on his yeah, conversation, uh-huh. and I don't hear anything uh-huh. weird because Steve is clever. Yes, and he's not telegraphing anything. And so I'm like, because I'm not hearing anything right. weird or different, right. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. I, he's not screaming at the top of. I'm his thinking, lungs. oh, it's a girl, because in my head, I had I had just said, you're going to have four girls. Like that, we all know what's going to happen here. Right. This is not hard to figure out. Right. And he walked into the room and I said, well, and he said, it's a boy. And I said, that cannot be right. <laughs> that can't be right. 
But here we are. Here I'm about to be my first time, first time boy mom. Very, you know, I can usually tell, by the way, by, depending on like later, if, if it's a surprise, right? You don't find out. And, and like towards the end of your pregnancy, I can usually tell by the way you're presenting. Oh, really? I've been pretty good. Yes. I have like a, <laughs> I have like an 80% success rate. Yes. So. The, the people, people say that's a thing. Also, is the fact that I'm having a boy the I mean, reason? It's 50, I 50 <laughs> Is it, is that the reason I'm not sick? Some people uh. have asked that question. The answer is scientifically, there is some truth to that. For women who are prone to have hyperemesis gravidarum, HG, which is what I have mm. and had in my mm -hmm. other three pregnancies, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where I was very, very sick, they are statistically likely to have easier pregnancies with boys. Yeah. That's a real thing that pans out in studies. So it's not a predictor either way, just in general, but it turns out boys cooking a boy much easier for me. Again, news for your health. <laughs> Only here on getting hammered. That's a real thing, by the way. I, I've, I've been. I, I don't. I'm not selling you fake news. I've been very invested in HG and how you predict it and how you make it better and all these things because I was desperately ill. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out you just have a boy, and then you're not as desperately ill. In my case, there are things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them here because I was going to say about <laughs> you know, your, your. There is yeah, a there so. is a theory of HG that is somewhat uh, possibly sexist. That is, it's just a double dose of estrogen estrogen that's making you sick which is like that's a thing that could happen they don't really know but they think oh man all that estrogen in there yeah yeah you're gonna be very, very real cranky. real moody and very, real very sick. very moody very moody <laughs> don't go near don't so go near you that's that news that's that okay. breaking news for you guys look out for me this week on barry weiss's podcast honestly and on megan kelly's podcast this week i will be on on friday so check me keep out. tuning in yes you can find me all the places. All the places. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substat at MK Hammer Time on my Instagram. You can find me on Barry Weiss's podcast, honestly, and Megan Kelly this week. And next week, we will have some special guests oh, exciting, for you. Exciting. I know Josh Holmes of Ruthless is going to make an appearance, and I will keep you posted on the next one but we are we're giving Vic a nice luxurious time to recover thank you I know you guys will miss him but he will be back that's it for now I'm gonna go off and like learn to be a boy mom and I'm gonna start I'm starting to pop the oxy right now <laughs> this has been a nebulous media podcast <laughs>